Hello. Hello, I'm looking for Mr. Doug Bradley. And you found him. Well, hello, Mr. Bradley. This is Scott Hamilton from Rock 105. How are you doing this afternoon? Hi, Scott. I'm good. Yourself? Oh, it's a beautiful day here in West Virginia, and we're looking very forward to you visiting our lovely state this weekend. I'm looking forward to it, too. Well, let's, let's tell people a little bit about yourself. If, uh, if they haven't seen a Hellraiser movie, what, what would you tell people? <laughs> what would I tell people about myself? Yeah, what would you say? It's a, that's a bit tricky when you can't see them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are things you tell some people. There are other things you don't tell other people. I'm, I'm starting to sound like Donald Rumsfeld. <laughs> things we know we know and the things we know we don't know but always be afraid of the things we don't know we don't know um uh well uh i mean obviously people know me mostly uh, as pinhead from the hellraiser movies and uh and various other uh uh horror movies which obviously is the reason that i am going to be Hanging around the lunatic asylum this weekend. Yes, they say you're a fan of paranormal activities. Uh, yes, I am. I've, uh, <laughs> I describe myself as a very, very open-minded skeptic. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I would say I've been pretty much obsessed by ghosts uh, <laughs> as long as I can remember. Awesome. Uh, I was obsessed with them as a kid. Ghost stories, ghost movies. Um... I have never seen a ghost. Um, I was in the asylum about a year ago. Mm -hmm. uh, just my girlfriend and I, uh, uh, and one of the guys from the asylum, from, I guess, uh, until about 2.30 uh, in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what it was that we encountered in there, but what we encountered was very, very real and very strange. Ooh. Uh, so I am uh, looking forward to going back. Yes, your return engagement this Friday and Saturday. Uh, so since it says your investigation is going to run from 12.30 in the morning till 6 a.m., do you have to take a nap during the day? There, uh, well, I, yeah, I, think, um, I think it'll be more than a nap. Uh, because uh, also prior to the, um, to, to the ghost hunts, mm -hmm. Because uh, they they have the Bedlam haunted house running there, right? Um, so I will be uh, meeting and greeting and uh, signing autographs. I'll have uh, uh, merchandise for sale to the fans. Uh, um, so I I'll be doing that during the evening. Mm -hmm. People turning up for the haunted house, and then going and doing the uh, the ghost hunt. Well, that's going to be a lot of fun for people who are Pinhead Hellraiser fans. Well, I hope so. <laughs> so you said you were enamored with ghosts when you were younger. Did you share some of those stories with Clive when you guys were growing up? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I guess so. I don't know. I, uh, not specifically about ghosts themselves, mm -hmm. but uh, certainly we, we shared an enthusiasm for scary movies, yeah. Right. You know, one, of, one of the first movies I remember being scared by as a kid, watching it on TV was, uh, and I'd seen it again uh, uh, many times, and it and it really holds up. It's a it's a great movie. It's one of my favorite movies now. It's a movie called The Innocents, um, which is based on uh, um, Henry James's Turn of the Screw. 
Yeah, that is a, a very creepy feeling film. It's a it's a great movie, really. Is uh, 1961, 62, I think. Mm -hmm. that played, I mean, um, the great thing about it is, at the end of the at the end of the movie, you you are really none the wiser. You don't know whether the ghosts are real, <laughs> uh, whether the ghosts have. have, have, have I don't want to spoil the movie for people who haven't seen it. But <laughs> right. Whether it's directly the ghosts who are responsible for what is not at all a happy ending, um, kind of ending that Hollywood probably wouldn't give us these days, mm -hmm. uh, or whether this is all kind of um, some kind of psychosexual uh, play going on inside Deborah Carr's head. Mm -hmm. um, and the, and the movie walks that knife edge right the way through and really doesn't doesn't let you down on either side at the end of the film. So uh, and it, that's um, got. I think the, the one thing I really remembered was the when the governess appears in the reeds dressed in black, watching from across the lake, mm -hmm. and she's in the schoolroom and uh, cries real tears. She leaves a real tear behind on the slate. I was pretty young when I saw that, and it, it scared the lights out of me. <laughs> and you're right, by today's standards, unless you're an indie movie or something outside of the Hollywood circle, you're going to have a happy ending. <laughs> it seems to be uh, an essential thing, which is a shame. But, but I like the, the more, <gasps> no, is that how it ends? And having to research it, you know, from the Donnie Darkos or some of the movies of today that have those little questionable endings. Sure. That, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get annoyed with movies that end suddenly and don't make sense. But a movie that is internally consistent mm -hmm. leaves you at the end thinking, oh, was it this? Was it that? Was it this? No, you wrote a book behind the... Uh it was behind the mask of the horror actor. When you were getting into acting, and then all of a sudden you got the pinhead role and a few others, you, you have done a lot of makeup work. What is it like behind the mask? Yeah, I had done quite a lot of uh, um, uh, masking work in, in the theater. Mm -hmm. People may not be aware that I had worked with Clive in the theater for maybe the best part of 10 years before Hellraiser came along. Mm -hmm. And we had always been interested in in, uh, in that kind of uh, thing. In fact, my first brush with prosthetics in heavy inverted commas, we did a production of Oscar Wilde's play Salome. I played John the Baptist in it, and in the play he is blind. Uh, and um, Clive decided that he would he would two uh, prosthetic makeup on on me, which he did. I mean, we you know we were we were young. We were in our early twenties. We mm -hmm. we didn't have access to to foam latex and stuff. Uh, he did it uh, um, uh, by paper mache, uh, you know, tissue paper and wallpaper paste, right? Style, and just kind of um, built up my forehead and cheeks with that stuff, and then gave me built up over my eyes, and then created false eye eye sockets in the uh, in the paper mache and filled it with blood and gore and stuff and uh, uh, I had a I had a rope tied around my middle which was attached to the to the back wall of the performing area so I didn't go wandering off into the audience because I couldn't see a thing right <laughs> um, uh, so I, and I've I've always enjoyed that I don't know I, I the you know, acting is all about transformation where mm -hmm. process is about presenting 
presenting a face, a character, a personality to an audience that is not our own. And I guess the um, the excitement of uh, of the, the 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 prosthetics makeup is that it makes that transformation absolute. Or you, you wear a mask, you know, even as even as kids, like say in the book, it can be as simple as uh, a brown paper bag with two eye holes <laughs> come out. You pull that over your over your head, and you're you're completely transformed. You're changed. Mm-hmm. You might even right in that instance, people may get scared by it because it's you know, kids will get unsettled by that. You know the way kids like to play peekaboo. Mm-hmm. They get they get upset when the face is taken away, reassured when the face comes back again. Um, uh, uh, you know, and then you you start to animate and, and play some kind of character, be it goofy or scary or threatening or whatever, with mm-hmm. a brown paper bag over your head. Suddenly, there's a new persona in the room that wasn't there before. You know, and it's. I certainly talk a lot about having found probably 95% of what I was going to do with Pinhead mm-hmm. in 20 minutes sitting in front of the mirror when I had the makeup on for the first time. And it is a strange experience. Right. My eyes were there and my my lips and my teeth and my tongue were there and my ears were there, but that was it. Right. <laughs> Whatever this was that was gazing back at me out of the mirror, it was not me. Now, over the years, did the, the you pretty much have to do the same makeup regime for Pinhead. Did they get it to take less time over the years? Was it getting faster paced? It speeded up, but um, there comes a point with these makeups where you really can't go that much quicker. You know, they mm-hmm. kind of take their own speed in a way. Um, so, I would say early days, you know, as, as much as anything else, because the makeup artists were kind of feeling their way with the, with mm-hmm. the application, it would be taking five five to six hours. Um, it speeded up to more like three, but uh, there comes a point where you can't really push it much quicker without cutting corners. And if you do that, you're going to have trouble through the day because obviously the you know the makeup is pretty perfect when it first goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, it then uh, it is then deteriorating from from that moment forward, and if it's if it's going to stay solid on your face for anything up to twelve hours and beyond, you know, um, you can't really uh, cut corners with it. Right. Well, between their their fine work on your prosthetics and then your acting ability, they made Pinhead one of the top four horror icons of the '80s and '90s. Right up there with Michael Myers and Jason and Freddy Krueger. I think Pinhead ranks up there with them. Uh, if you say so. Uh, <laughs> well, um, in my personal I'll, opinion, you rank <laughs> higher in my collection. But <laughs> I'll I'll take it. <laughs> yes. No. Ab- absolutely. And the uh, the character and the image. And it's another curious thing that that happens. It takes on a life of its own, mm-hmm. you know, which is now n- really nothing to do with what with what I was doing originally. Right. But things like this have given you the opportunity to do things like you're going to do this weekend at the Trans Allegheny. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, people ask you all the time about being worried about getting 
typecast. Right. And, and my, um, my answer to that is twofold. In the first place, I don't really see how you can get typecast as Pinhead. <laughs> you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's not much you can do as Pinhead outside of a Hellraiser movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but Boris Karloff talked about this. He, he said, if I've, if I've got typecast as an actor, then I am extremely lucky. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I've always said that anonymity is a is an is an actor's biggest enemy. Mm-hmm. And if you if if this is a tough enough game, God knows. Um, and if you have anything that puts your head above the watermark, that people say, "Oh, him, yeah, I know who he is." Um, you know, that's that's often. Uh, nine-tenths of the game. And, and Karloff said, you know, being typecast as an actor is a bit like being a carpenter who's known for making a particular kind of table. And if you want that kind of table, you go to that carpenter. Um, so the, the um, uh, with, without question, my association with Hellraiser and Pinhead has, has opened up a, a ton of things, both in terms of doing these kind of crazy things there's no way otherwise i think that i would be <laughs> going and and leading leading a bunch of fans on a, on a ghost <laughs> on hunt a ghost hunt <laughs> around uh, the asylum I mean, i have to say to anybody who who is not familiar with the asylum it is an extraordinary building it is an amazing place to visit it really uh, is even even to go around it in the daytime you know i mean it was what it was built in um, I think the the 1830s, something like that, mm-hmm. was active up into the 1990s, um, and certainly on the on the daylight tour, just the feeling of the, of the weight of human pain and misery that that building has contained. I, I think they told me something. They estimate something like 150,000 people died in that place over the years. Yes, I believe so. Uh, 160 years it was open and of course the the haunted house uh they they sat in a separate building um right by the asylum which was the isolation used as an isolation ward for inmates with tuberculosis mm-hmm. you really don't need to do much to that place to make it a scary <laughs> no like you said I, driving up in the day it's got that effect Oh, I went round in daylight before going back at night, and it's uh, the, the place is a trip. It really is. If people are coming, I would certainly recommend give yourselves time to get into the asylum in daylight, um, and then let's uh, let's all go back in and hold hands together in the uh, in the witching hour and see what comes a knocking. For fans of the paranormal, fans of Hellraiser, fans of horror movies, this is like the ultimate weekend. You get to go on a ghost hunt with Doug Bradley. It doesn't get any cooler than that in my book. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. Well, we're going to give away some tickets. Thank you for uh, for spending time with us today and filling us in not only on your career, but what's going to be going on this weekend. And we can't, get, can't wait to get down and shake your hand and meet you for once and for all and just say how much we appreciate all you've done over the years to scare the crap out of us. Doing my job, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, it was a pleasure to speak with you today, and I guess we will see you this weekend. And you look forward to it. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye.